Metallica, that orchestra one they did. Yeah, the SNM album with the yeah, San Francisco like, Symphony. Yeah, it's so good, man. Yeah. And it's it, it's it's probably my favorite Metallica. Anything that that legit is one of the best um, albums that I've ever heard from Metallica, just ever. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, yeah. Um, as a teenager, I remember because the concert happened. The, the, they had one in san francisco and they played one in new york at the garden that was when i was 14 unfortunately obviously i couldn't go um right. but uh <laughs> the live dvd came out i think in the the year after right and dude like yeah. that's all i watched when i got home from school dude was watch the whole snm fucking like live concert through and through with the backstage stuff and the behind the scenes stuff it was i was just addicted to all that stuff and um and there's one song on there in particular that I even posted about on uh, on IG, No Leap Clover. Um, oh, dude. I think it's the best uh, Metallica song that hasn't been actually produced for an album. You know, yeah. um, they played it a-, a couple of times live here and there. I've seen it. It's great live. But the only time, you know, they actually played is live. It's never been on an album before. And it's just an absolutely fucking killer song. And I, it, it was weird because I thought that's what I was going to get on, a, on an album <laughs> after Yo, that. But uh, unfortunately, yeah. you know, you know, it didn't turn out that way. But, but speaking of Metallica, so um, e- ever since this whole pandemic shit started, you know, mm-hmm. since concerts obviously have been postponed and or canceled, a lot of bands have been doing stuff online, Instagram, all that shit. Um, right. But Metallica, they've released like a lot of their concerts from the vault. You know, th- you know, obviously they record pretty much everything they do now. That's how big they are. You know, like everything, every concert, like every concert, every live show they do, it's always recorded. So um, every Monday, uh, they go on YouTube and they uh, stream out a concert from like some random era. Cool. Yeah. So like um this past Monday it was um one from Peru. Um from like uh, 2018 or some shit like that, right? Um and then uh, like 2 weeks ago it was uh one from 1983 from a small bar in Chicago when That's Kill 'em All came out. You know what I mean? So it's been uh, it's been awesome and I've it's rekindled my passion and my love for Metallica. Um, and I said it before on on the Facebook that I I am a Metallica apologist. You know what I mean? Um, I right. love Metallica. I don't like their new music as much as I do the others. Like I'm not gonna bash it. You know, it's like yeah, it's not my thing. But they put out way too much good stuff before to kind of just shit on them now. You know, it's like right. of course they're older dudes. They're not gonna be putting out fucking you know Master of Puppets when they're in their fucking fifties. You know what I mean? It's not realistic. And these guys are just playing rock and roll. You know, and just playing and you know, some hard rock and shit. Whatever. 
You know, I, I agree, because those newer albums, it's not like they're devoid of gems either. No, like, they have some good songs. Like, for instance, yeah. um, I did a review on their most recent one, which was a Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Um, yes. It's like a double album, but honestly, half of the album is good. So one album is good, and one album is not good. <laughs> um, and it, I'm not saying it's not good in terms of music, and the, you know, but it's not good in terms of what they can put out. Right. In, in terms of you know the standard and you know the quality of music they can put out. But the stuff on that album, there's some stuff that isn't up to their standard, in my opinion. But there's some stuff like the uh, single the single and the title track, I think, is really good. When I first yeah. heard that song, I was like, yo, Metallica's fucking back, dude. Um, because cause it, it's a hard song. It's, it's a thrash metal song, dude. Like, it's, it's a Metallica song. So you know they can do it. But they kind of, you know, they don't want to and honestly like they've earned that right you know and you know what after seeing all those live shows people still show up dude people yeah. still show up so every monday I'm, I'm highlighting a song or an album from metallica like this past monday i um i put a post about the no leaf clover and i put a post about um their garage ink album their, Ooh, um, okay. I'm, I'm sorry their ep which was a, another cover album from back in the day. And I said, like, also that Metallica does best is covers, you know? Like, they really do yeah. covers really, really well. They, they've done a Ronnie James Dio. Um, they've done um, was it, the Silver uh, Bullet Band. Was it uh, the Bob Seger one I really liked? Yeah. The, uh, turned, turned the page? Turned the page, yeah. The Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. That was great. They've done Misfits. They've done Queen. They've done fucking... Um, well, I think I think they've done Elvis. I mm-hmm. think uh, they've done a bunch of uh, uh, Johnny Cash, all that shit, and it, it's they're really good at those things. So, but uh, you know, Metallica's great. We have to appreciate the music that they've put out and the fact that they're still all there. You know what I mean? You know, yeah, they're still you know putting out music you know, and willing to perform. You know, yeah, and that's that's why I'm like, if they don't, if they're not delivering a heavier album, it's because they're not heavier dudes anymore it's hard dude it's difficult to be heavy all the time and imagine now these guys have gone through rehab these guys have are in different stages of their lives yeah their fathers maybe grandfathers now some of them like they're old and super rich and it's like you know you can't be angry if you're retired and like super rich yeah it's tough to be aggressive you know yeah it's it's very (laughs) tough to be aggressive um, when you're old and rich, uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, like for instance, it's like because um, where's uh, the anger, you know? Like, yeah, like a lot of people just you know they f- fucking trash them and they say, oh, but Slayer always put out. Yeah, but Slayer always sounds the fucking same. Okay. <laughs> oh shit. All right. Oh, oh, That's man. my thing with Slayer. Like I like Slayer, but they always sound the goddamn same. It's like it's cool. But it's just Slayer. It, it just so happens that they just kind of do their thing all the time on the albums, you know? Um, yeah. But it's just, you know, th- their songs, in my opinion, do not have the character um, that uh, the Metallica songs do. Like, you remember, like, of course, you, you remember Rain and Blood because it's Rain and Blood. You know what I mean? But, yeah. uh, but like, there are songs like, for instance, the Outlaw Torn. On the Load album, that I think it's the best uh, post-black album '90s Metallica song ever written. It's like a, a an epic of a song, and they did it, it um, in the S&M album, which got got me 
loving the original version even more too i was like mm-hmm. oh shit i forgot this song was on the fucking load album it was so good and yes load i listened to load recently and it is very non-metallica it's definitely like it was like an artsy thing for them you can definitely tell they were just fucking around and seeing hey let's see what we can do now you know because by that time pretty much they've done it all and uh, you know in the metal world honestly you know from kill them all to the black album they've fucking that's it you're good, you know. You you can end your your band at that moment, and you can just make money off of those first five albums. You'll be fine. No shit. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. no metal album. I mean, no metal band can say that. Slayer can't say that. You know what I mean? None of the other uh, big thrash bands can say that. Fucking Megadeth. Fuck Megadeth. They can't say that shit. Fucking Exodus can't say that. Testament can't say that. All these other. Oh, Anthrax can't say that. Metallica is the only thrash band that can say after five albums they could have quit and just left their legacy there all right because if people shit on the black album but come on dude the black album that enter sandman which even even now i'm like oh i'm tired of enter sandman but just listening to enter sandman uh like in terms of breaking it down it's like fuck that's a good goddamn song you know it's a it's a (laughs) well-written fucking song you can't you can't deny that just as as a critic right because that is what we are Right, we're fucking critics, right? Yes. So, yes. Uh, as a critic, you can't deny the fact that you know, "Enter Sandman" is a well-written song. Yes, I am fucking tired of listening to it and hearing it on the radio, just like I am with Led Zeppelin, for instance, right? But when it p- comes on on a random shuffle, I'm like, "Holy shit, this is a really well-written song," you know? Yeah, it's it's the song that like that's why it blew up on the radio because you wouldn't you wouldn't seek it out. But at the same time, it, you would turn to that channel if there was nothing else on. Dude, it's you know? exactly. And it's it, a good, like, it's a good default. Like, oh, if I need background music, oh, and it, Sandman. Okay. It's just heavy enough to kind of qualify itself as that metal song. But yeah. it still has a, a commercial, like, output to classify itself as like a pop song even, you know? Yeah. Um, just because of how well-written it is. And that's the thing like, with a lot of bands. A lot of people trash them because they change their musical style. Um, I've touched on this before, but we've never gone in length about music in this podcast in a long time. But um, like, for instance, with Slipknot, when they came out with their first two albums, right, with Slipknot and Iowa, people were like, oh my God, heavy, heavy, heavy. Great. Yeah, they were fucking heavy as shit. But then they kind of grew. You know, they wanted to do yes. more. They opened their mind and they released volume three. And it was, uh, you know, it just so happened that Rick Rubin produced it. So R- Rick Rubin, with his crazy, you know, hands-off kind of style, kind of got the most artistic version of Slipknot. And I personally loved it. Like, I like the fact that they're using Corey Taylor's voice, you know, to, to its maximum potential now. You know, it's like they realize, oh, wait a minute. We can actually write better songs because we have a singer that can actually fucking sing and just not scream. You know, that's the same thing that Metallica discovered when James realized that his voice, like, if you listen to fucking to, to Kill Em All and By the Lightning, his voice is different in terms of, you know, how it how it sounds. It's a bit more high-pitched, a bit more like just screaming output. But when you hear like Master of Puppets um, and just Sprawl, you begin to hear the James Hetfield, you know, you know, the, the fucking Papa Het, you know, you know, that, yes. that yo, you know. <laughs> that, that that quintessential Metallica voice that we that we're used to now and that it is yeah that you know, that growl that like 
that deep, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are you alive? <laughs> you know what I mean? That, like, yeah. That's the James Hetfield we know right now. Like, honestly, like, James Hetfield to me is a fucking god. Like, I think he's the best rhythm guitarist in heavy metal. Um, and the fact that he can command a crowd the way he does, he's a, he's a great front man. Um, a great rhythm guitarist, you know, great songwriter. Even Lars, I'm not a big fan of Lars as a drummer at all. I think he's very subpar. Um, and Metallica could be even greater with a better drummer. Um, mm. But Lars was there since the beginning, and he plays it more along the lines of punk style. But you can't deny his, you know, his musical input into Metallica, like in like in the songwriting process. It's it's huge. So you know, you have to give him credit, and this is what people kind of. It's weird. People just don't want to give anyone credit these days. You yeah, know? like that's that's the thing. Like Metallica, as as you know, every metal fan is a critic. Like like you said, like that's what we are. You know, like all like all metal fans, like they all fans in general, all fans. Yeah, all fans are critics, and you know we all want to like look at these things critically, and but. At the same time, you also just have to accept facts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The reason Metallica yes. is so big. Like, you can hate them for whatever reason, but it, you also have to respect them. But you'll also be at their <laughs> fucking concert, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You like, know? You would, you would also, if you got a ticket for it, you wouldn't be like, no, nah, I'm not going to go. You'd be like, hell yeah. Like, why not? It's Metallica. Like, it's, it's the perfect default. That's yeah. What, like, it's like they... It's they are the definition of metal. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can't spell Metallica without metal. You know what I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, and and it's like they're they're a lot of they're what a lot of people think of when you think of metal. Yeah, you know? worldwide. You know what I mean? Like, yes, like yes. Metallica is the Michael Jordan of uh, of of the metal genre of absolutely. the heavy of the heavy music genre. You know, absolutely. Uh, because even you know, since uh, Sandman was so commercial it kind of peaked in that hard rock line as well you know yes but uh yeah people just gotta accept the fact that a lot of artists aren't gonna be outputting what they're outputting when they first go out i mean yeah. you know what i mean like it's yes. not possible it was like um i i, I listened uh, to an interview with gavin rosedale the singer of bush um where he said that um you know he realized how how awesome <laughs> his his their first album was uh, 16 Stone. It's a great fucking album. And he was like, I, I know how big it was. And me kind of doing that over again wasn't going to fulfill me as an artist. You know what I mean? Like, right. I knew that I had written that. But, like, I, I can't write anything better, you know, in that kind of style right now. But, like, he, he was like, I want to tap into my other inspirations and stuff. He, he, he's into Bowie and all that stuff. So his other music after Razorblade Suitcase, which I think is the best Bush album out there, um, it, um, like uh, the, uh, the Science of Things and Golden State, it was a bit more experimental, a bit more alternative rock kind of style. It wasn't as uh, in-your-face kind of grungy hard rock. Um, but again, like you have to give artists a chance to spread their wings. That's, that's what we do, man. That's what it's all about, <laughs> man. Art, you know? Of course, yeah. Art is very, you know, it's uh, what's that word? It's uh, subjective. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> art is very subjective and, you know, to each its own. But you have to at least let the artist kind of give you something. And it's not, it's not always going to pan out, but at times it does. But yes. you have to appreciate the art that's that's there. And with that, welcome, folks, to uh, episode uh, 36 of um, The Morgue, the official Corpse Feed podcast. And with me, as always, is uh, Mr. Nick Valdez of comicbook.com. Howdy, Tex. What's up? Howdy, everybody. How you doing, Arturo? 
dude, I'm good, man. It was a good music conversation. It's been a long time since we talked uh, uh, any kind of serious music here. Um, but I just love Metallica. Metallica is awesome, and I yeah. forever will love Metallica, and will forever forgive their you know their shitty output music as as it is right now. <laughs> but uh, it's been a, it's been a good week, dude. It's been a good week. It, it's been fun preparing for this conversation. Yes. Mr. Valdez, I know tonight you are very excited because we are touching upon one of your personal favorite franchises, yes. Um, yes. the Scream franchise. And uh, I wasn't a fan of the franchise until we had this conversation about, hey, let's watch Scream and let's talk about it. I was like, fuck it. Let's do it. Yes. And yeah, because we've been yeah. we've been bouncing around it for for the last couple of weeks. Yes. Uh, it's been popping up in our conversations and recently like Scream 5 is moving forward. So we were like, yeah, like you said, we yep. we were we had to be prepared. Yeah, we had to be prepared. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I personally haven't given them a proper chance in a long time. And so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. And mm-hmm. it's funny. After I watched both, I mean both, all four of the Scream movie, I, <laughs> yeah. I realized, hey, I've seen them before, <laughs> but I never really got into them before. And I got to say, dude, fucking fun franchise, dude. I thoroughly enjoyed all four movies. I was entertained by all four. It was funny seeing them now, hindsight being 2020 and all that bullshit. Yes. Like, you, yes. you see how clear the villains are in the movie. Like, for example, in um, in Scream, you know, the the original, the OG, you have Billy Loomis, right? Fucking uh, Skeet Ulrich. And <laughs> yes. you have uh, Stu, right? Uh, Matthew Lillard. And you see their faces and you see their expressions and the way they they interact with each other during these uh, certain scenes and sequences here, here and there. And you're like, holy shit, these guys are totally fucking guilty. Like, come on, hello. Let's arrest <laughs> these guys right now. You know, and uh, it's the same thing in Scream 2. With um with fucking Oliphant, right? And the camera going around. I'm like, oh, this fucking guy's guilty, right? You know? <laughs> uh, I, I, I also thought it could have been uh, Jerry O'Connell, right? I was yes, like, yes. it could have been Jerry O'Connell there. But you know what? That, that was a good swerve. And then adding Billy Loomis's uh, fucking mom into the mix. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember what happens here. The minute I saw her, I was like, oh, I remember exactly what happened. That That's how Scream is. The minute you see certain people, you're like, oh, yeah, this is how it all unfolds. And I remember also in, in, in part three how uh, they just showed, like, a lot of what could have been. Like, they showed the director, like, oh, maybe it's Milton. Uh, maybe it's uh, the cop, Kincaid. I was like, oh, yeah. For a long time, because I totally forgot who it was, right? For a long time, I was like, oh, it's fucking, it's, um, it's the guy from uh, Grey's Anatomy, dude, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then uh, I was like, shit, he's fucking guilty. It has to be Kincaid. And in your head, you're putting it together, right, bit by bit. And it's cool how they do that little swerve in part three where it turns out to be Robin. But yeah, but Scream is one of these franchises where you watch them and they're written in a way to kind of throw you off a lot of places, you know. Um, you don't get that in a in a lot of the, the horror now. I think Saw might be the only one that can give you that back and forth who is it who is it you know who's not who's not kind of thing but it's a it's a good franchise let's hear from you man i know you're a big screen fan so let's hear it dude i'm just gonna fucking sit back and enjoy this conversation dude (laughs) yeah man this is my big one like um like you you've hit it on the head perfectly it's it's a slasher movie where it's wes craven and kevin williamson 
they they craft a movie that's a good slasher first and foremost. Craven's like, first slasher, by the way, because I don't consider yes. Freddy a slasher. No, no. Like, if Freddy didn't turn into a slasher, like, Freddy's what? Like, a monster movie, right? Freddy's a like, monster I, movie, yeah, because he gets you in your dreams, dude. That's not a slasher. Right, right. And, but, like, in, in Scream, it's a slasher that's built from other slashers. So it's like, it, it takes all the smart stuff from the other ones. And, but it, like, it, it pays homage to them, but at the same time, it's like making fun of them or like calling attention to them. Like, it, it's very, you know, like we've, we've talked about the, the MTV generation movies. Yeah, this is, this is a major one. Yeah. So this one, it's all about deconstructing all those slasher movies, but at the same time, it still uses those. It's, it's very like, hmm, how, how to describe it? It, It's that meta. Right. It's yeah. that, it's that meta kind of you know kind of feeling. It's um it's uh it's a movie built inside a world that knows about horror movies. Yes, that's you know what exactly mean? what it is. It's because like usually yeah. when you see a horror flick, you're seeing a horror flick that's usually not meant to be taken as a movie. It's meant to be taken as a story going on in this universe, right? And it just so yes. happens to be a horror story. But Scream is built around the fact that, you know, everyone knows about horror movies and everyone knows the stereotypes and how everything's going down. And it was cool and very kind of um, uh, um, innovative how they use that to kind of write the story. You yeah, because because ultimately it still tells a story. Yes, like it doesn't get caught in in all of these homages. It doesn't get caught in being like, oh well, he she has to survive because she's a virgin. Or exactly, that's what scary movie is all about, right? That's what the <laughs> the parody of Scream is all about. Yeah, you know? and because the parody- you're right, because it doesn't get into itself too much because it knows it knows it's a horror movie and it knows it doesn't want to fall into those pits. So right. like, it's very self aware of 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 itself and where it's gonna go yeah like it it's good because it it makes for smarter characters as a whole because it's like they're they're actively trying to avoid mistakes that like easy mistakes yeah it's like oh i have to make sure to not go by myself or i have to make sure to lock the door behind me you know yeah and you know and they still fuck up because they're teenagers you know and they still do stupid stuff but it's like they it it helps that they have that little edge of smartness to them. This little edge of like, I'm always prepared in a way, you know? Yeah. And like, that's what I've liked. Cause it's always felt like the victims here are more active in trying to survive. That's and a very good like, point. like in, in scream, like that's why I like Sydney as a character, especially through like, we see it best in four, like in four, she's a completely different person than she is in part one. Like you, you get the, like, it's the Lori Strode effect taken to the meta level, you know, cause she's like, she, Lori, she's affected by all this stuff, but she's, she's gone so in a way where she's always on edge. Like in part three, where you were like, oh, is it Patrick Dempsey? You know, is it, yeah. is it the is great it anime guy? McDreamy, right? That's his name. <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to remember yeah. what the fuck his name was. <laughs> yeah. You're like, is it McDreamy? But she does, Sydney does the same thing. She's instantly like, oh, whoa. And you know what, you know what, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but speaking to that too, it's cool how paranoid she is, which helps, which helps the audience. Like, like, oh shit, it could be anyone, you know, like all we know that it's not Dewey or Gale. That's all we know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, it's, it's great. You're right. It's great. Like we start getting it in a little bit in part one, 
But it, like when when we get part two, it's when we get the Sydney who's always on edge and always like on top of things, and that's what it is because it's these characters are smarter. Yeah, I, I think I think it's what it is. But at the same time, it's still a slasher movie, so you still get those deaths. You still get like, and I think part four maybe because of the budget. Of course, like part four is a little bit better looking oh, than the. Oh other yeah, ones. you can tell it's highly produced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what's but cool like, too. Like, um, where they have these deaths that occur because one person doesn't trust that other person, you know? Yes, and yes. I love that. Like, it's so great how, um, for instance, with J- Jerry O'Connell, right? How, um, Sydney doesn't trust him. Um, yes. how he, how she thinks even when he's tied up, he's still fucking guilty, right? And, yes. um, how in part four, um, Hayden Panettiere thought that uh, Culkin's character was guilty the whole time, you know, which he was, but, you know, it, it played off in a way where, he got attacked and she believed like, oh my God, I just killed this guy. And they do that very well. And and those are good kills too. And it's, um, which leads me to another point where that scream is gory, which is great. Um, yeah. They have yeah. good fucking use of practical effects. It's all practical, which is great. And they're not afraid to show guts and ribbage and fucking cadavers and, you know, body spillage. I, I totally forgot how much just like disembowelment there is, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it starts in part one, too. Yeah, like, it's absolutely. Start, like, uh, Steve gets part- it real quick, right? With Steve, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Steve gets gutted real good. Yeah, because uh, part one, uh, like, Scream is, like, I've said this before on the show, but it is my favorite slasher, but it all comes down to that opening scene. Like, it, that opening scene is probably the best, I, I would say, the best slasher scene in general. It's good. Like, it, it's a really good start. It's and good. It's, a, like, it, it's a whole movie in and itself. You know, it's, yeah. it's a little, it, and it tells you everything you need to know. It tells you what kind of killer it is. It tells you, like, oh, this movie's a little meta because oh, they're mentioning Nightmare on Elm Street and Michael scary Myers. movies. Yeah. yeah, and Michael Myers. And, like, and it's Drew Barrymore and she gets got. Like, and it, that was the big swerve back then, too. You know, because Drew Barrymore was, like, on, on all the posters yeah. and all the trailers. Yeah, like, that oh, was she- great, too. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he thought she was super centric to the story, and she really wasn't. Well, she was in a way, because she was the first get, you know? Yeah, um, and it's it, it was important. Yeah. And, and it's usually... That's also the theme of um, of Scream, in my opinion, too. They start really strong, and they end really strong, too. The movie breeds in the middle a lot. All of them do, you know? But they do a good job of kind of giving you a good ending. Even if you're like, oh, whatever... This is going to happen. I'm a little bored of it. But the ending still kind of is very captivating. They know how to film like a very action-y sequence all the time to yeah. get you uh, a very involved in it. And that's uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about this franchise. That even if you get lost a little bit in the middle because of what's going on, it still brings you back in at the end. And you're like, holy shit, you want to see it end. And another thing I also thought that the movies did well was just understanding and using Sydney as like this focal point. You know how I always yes. like stories that follow somebody. It makes it more important to a franchise. And the fact that they used they kept going back to the same connection with Sydney every single time, which is which I thought was very important to keeping the viewer back into it. It's like, oh, that's another thing that you can take from that. And then as the stories go, you can piece them all together. So as we start in the first one, we see that Sydney and her mother is a big deal. We find out that Billy, 
um, uh, is doing all his killings because Cindy's mom had an affair with his dad and that caused his parents to get divorced and his mom to abandon him. And uh, and that whole scene goes, we'll talk about later. Um, but that's fucking great. Then on, in part two, we find out that, oh, Billy's mom fucking comes back. So that connection is there again, right? And, uh, and Billy's mom needed somebody to be the, you know, kind of like the person on campus. That's why Oliphant's there. And then we find out in part three that her mom again comes back. We find out her mom was uh, an actress, you know, and mm. she's doing these movies and shit. And, and you find out that she has a fucking half brother going around who was jealous of all the attention. And then in part four, you find out she has a fucking cousin, right? Yeah. So it, it always ties into this bloodline, you know, which is pretty fucking cool. And you don't really, um, you don't get that like that. Like, you get that in in Halloween, and you get that in Scream, and I and I just kind of found this out just seeing yes. these four. Because um, and you, you know, yeah. isn't isn't that crazy? Because like that Halloween's your big one, yeah. And Scream is my big one, and then they have this big like they have this big tie, yeah. Like this- which it, like it ties everything together, and it makes it easier to be just a fan of it. Because for mm-hmm. instance, Friday. Th- Friday the 13th fans, they just got to be like, oh, my favorite one is this one or that one. Because there's like fucking eight of them and they're not connected. Just the only thing, the only connection is Jason. Like, but they're all like Jason dropped in different kind of parts of time. just attacking the same camp. But with Halloween, there's this like, you can always go back to see, oh, I want to see what's going on with Laurie Strode and what her story is. Because obviously now we're talking about the real Halloween timeline, which is, you know, the first Halloween and, and, and the 2018 and the ones coming back, right? Because mm-hmm. that's technically the real Halloween, right? So we know that there's a timeline there to follow and something to actually cling to and care about, which is honestly the same thing I discovered with Scream, that you know, fucking Sydney keeps coming back and she comes back and she's used well as well. It's not like she's there just to kind of be there since she's you know the scream girl you know the the final girl she's there and she's used very well like she's there to kind of get people killed to to save people and to just kind of be the catalyst for all this action because without sydney nothing really happened for instance in part three shit starts going down when she finally comes out of hiding you know and then uh and then everything starts wrapping up it's like oh sydney's here now now we can start invite these people to this party and start this whole kind of plan that i have here but but like it caused people to kill to get her there which i think is pretty brutal you know because people want to kill to see sydney around them you know so everyone's kind of obsessed with this sydney story um and and this also adds to the whole um, anxiousness and the whole paranoia of who's who. Because everyone wants a piece of Sydney. Everyone wants to know yeah. who they are. Like, for instance, in part three, I totally forgot it was Roman, right? I thought it yes. was the one playing <clears throat> Sydney for a second. I was like, oh, she's too comfortable in all of this, right? She looks guilty. And, and like, at times, you, you thought it was... Um, the director, but it was, you know, this other guy completely the entire time. And they did a good job of kind of hiding him and sprinkling him in just in a little time and completely erasing him from the entire movie until that party. And you're like, holy shit, I forgot about this guy. So this guy has to be a part of it. You know what I mean? But then he gets supposedly killed and you're like, oh shit, so it can't be him. So like they keep writing these little kind of like um, whodunits right within the movie, which is dope. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, again, it just adds to the whole Sydney Prescott mystique from start to finish, you know? And another thing that also, that I truly, honestly, really enjoy is the fact that they keep bringing, uh, Dewey and Gail back. 
you yes. know? And, yes. and, and they all make it. Like, I thought Dewey was dead in part two. And I forgot. I'm like, holy shit, he lives. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then again, I thought he was dead in part three. Right? And then he's back again. You know? And then he's the fucking sheriff. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I really love that they bring him back um, every single time. He's like, as you mentioned, he's the only dude in Sydney's life who's actually there for her to for her own, yes. you know, to actually help her and be there for her. Yeah, because you know, cause in in every one of these movies, uh, every dude around Sydney, like you like you mentioned, like everyone wants a piece of Sydney, and it's always the worst when it's the dudes in her life. Like All even the time. when it's like even when it's just like some of it's like her boyfriend. And All the time, it's her boyfriend. Yeah, and it's like uh, in in part two, especially, it's super weird because Jerry O'Connell. You know, um, he's actually innocent in all this. Yeah, but he also acts super creepy and yeah, he he looks he starts like he starts singing in the cafeteria and stuff, and like you know, it's really aggressive. You yeah, know what I mean? especially after he just got cut in the wrist, and dude was like, "Oh, so wait a minute, so so you fought with the killer, and he just cut you on the wrist? Yeah, and everyone who interacted <laughs> with the killer is dead. That seems a little weird." And I'm like, "Yo, he's fucking guilty, dude. He's fucking guilty. I know it. And, yeah, and but- he's not. And he just he just has the look. The, the casting director." Right, has yeah, to be commended because yeah. they do a good job of bringing these sleaze balls in, right? It just looks sleazy, <laughs> right? Let's get into yeah. it. Fucking Skeet Ulrich, right? Yeah, Skeet Ulrich. Fucking, man. what were they thinking? I'm like, yo, like just looking at him now. Again, that that <laughs> that, that phrase, hindsight 2020. Just looking right. at him now, yo, he just looks fucking dirty, bro. I'm like, yo, this guy looks shady. He looks t- super suspect. Right? Yeah, it's, he's guilty. It's crazy. He, he's walking around in fucking like undershirts, like these white undershirts. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I mean. But but because everyone else has that same level of intensity, like, and that's why he gets away with it that first go around. Like, you know, this is all like you said hindsight because it's like when. But that first time around, you're like, wait a minute, everybody. Yeah, weird. dude. That first yeah, time like, around, who the fuck knew, dude? <laughs> yeah, everyone is know. weird. Yeah, everyone is weird around her, except, like, Dewey and, yeah, and Dewey and Gale, they remain, like, the centerpieces, and, like, and by part four, they have their own things going on. You know, they have their own, like, plots. And, yeah, like, by part, part three, four, they're they're married. <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? They're yeah. married, and Dewey's, uh, uh, like, Gale's feeling a little bit ostracized, the fact that Dewey doesn't, like count her as media anymore you know and, yeah. and gail's feeling like a certain way because she she feels like you know just because i'm not a true reporter anymore doesn't mean you can't like keep me in the loop you know yeah and then he's got this this younger partner who's like obviously like hitting on him and yeah stuff jamie king is making him lemon cakes or whatever right <laughs> yeah. and gail's like you know what your lemon cakes suck all right <laughs> so that so it's cool it's like it's it's very entertaining it's entertaining shit um this is why for instance, uh, I remember I sent you um, a screenshot of what um, the guide description said of the movie that Scream 3 is – genre is, is a comedy, you know? Yeah, and that makes sense for part three though. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's built that way. It's built for entertainment. You yeah, know, part three. Part three is goofy. Part yeah, three is like yeah. it's got like it's got uh, Jay and Silent Bob cameo. The um, man, the uh, Carrie Fisher cameo. Yeah, the Carrie Fisher cameo is great. I like that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's stuff like that where it's like it's it's goofy. Yeah, but. You know, and then, but you're right, the casting director for all of these movies, like, you see all of the people in it, like, Timothy Oliphant, like, all the people who are huge now, 
you know? And um, it's kind of crazy. And then Nev Campbell, there she is at the middle of it all. And then and then part four is a bunch of all the new faces, too. I kind of <laughs> dig part three, man. Like, I like how entertaining it is. I, I like the fact that they got actors that knew what they had to do. You know what I mean? Like, right. they knew that they were going to be playing actors in this fake movie, in this movie. Right. Uh, and so they kind of uh, it took that and they went with it. Like Parker Posey, she's great in this movie. But Parker Posey does a lot of good things. But I feel that it's it's a fun movie. Which one's your favorite out of the four? Okay, so that's the thing I was going to ask you, like in terms of ranking them. So uh, starting from the bottom, Scream 3 is probably my least favorite. Then Scream 2. So it, it comes down to one and four. And it's it's tough because it's like I wouldn't like four as much if I didn't like part one as much as I do. Okay. You know? Explain that. Explain that one. Okay. Because part four is – so it, it came out in 2011. So that really should put you in that same mindset of we've brought this up before of like the new line reboots. Yeah. You yep. know, we, we – that was – 2008, 2009, we started seeing the, the Friday 13th, the Nightmare on Elm Street, the, just the, that was the first wave of horror reboots we got. And now that you mentioned that too, there's a scene where Hayden Penitaire just shouts out reboot after reboot after yeah. reboot after reboot. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, those, that's like everything this, this studio has released. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what I mean. And, and part four is basically, that version of that in Scream. Yeah. So it's like it's it's the rebuquel. It's the it's the Creed. It's the you know it's Creed is Rocky Seven, but it's it's Creed. You know, and Scream Four is Scream Four, but it's also like a Scream reboot kind of thing. Yeah. No. That, yeah, I agree because um they so Scream Four is with um with Emma Roberts and her character turns out to be the Billy Loomis. Of um yes. of part four, right? Which I think she does a great fucking job at it. I didn't see that coming at all. <laughs> yeah, it, that was that was peak Emma Roberts too. That was before uh Coven, before was, Coven, right? Yes. because um, yeah. once she was in Coven, like that was it. Like it, it was it sealed her as like a then you started seeing her everywhere. And Scream Queens and all that shit, yeah. Yeah. Um but uh dude, I thought she was really good, especially when she did that heel turn. It, yes. it was like she flipped this fucking switch and she was just fucking evil, dude. I'm like, holy shit. This is yeah, really it's, good. It's such a like it's such a good climax because it's a reboot in the sense that like it's the same chaotic like they literally make it the same chaotic scene as the first one. Yeah. But then it gets that extra little layer. Dude, but because, she's dude, she's yeah, fucking it, it, bad, bro. That's what I'm saying. It gets that little extra layer from her because then you get the where she does the stuff to herself. Yeah. To, yeah, that scene dude. where she damages herself to like What you know. a fucking sequence, dude. First <laughs> yeah. first the boyfriend fucking this uh Culkin kid. I forgot which Culkin it was. Yeah, uh, so, Kieran Culkin. Kieran, right? Yeah. So yeah. Kieran thinks he's gonna be fucking stewing this and fucking just come out with some flesh wounds, right? And she's like, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> it was crazy because let me change she- this up a little bit right let me just stab you right in the fucking heart and then she pretty much kind of changes the script 
of her plan with her boyfriend, right? And she says, oh, like, now she's the victim and he's going to be the one who's going to be, um, oh, is it Billy, right? Yeah, no, so it was, it's wild because, like, uh, in, that's the other thing, because part, Scream is it who done it and a slasher film. Yeah. So, so a ton of people survive in Scream when you think about it, right? True, there's, yeah. Yeah, because there's Sydney, there's Gail, there's, uh, um, Dewey. There's Dewey, and then there's, uh, I always forget his name. I always call him Richie. Oh, Randy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but Randy got got in part two, though. Yeah. I but, forgot he died in part two. I thought he lived till part three. No, no. He, he You remembered that he had that clip. Like, yes, ex- exactly. Yeah. yeah. We, that's Which was great. I thought it was, it, it was great to kind of bring him back and explain the fact that, that there's a trilogy going on, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, that's why I... In retrospect, that's why I thought he was part of part three, too. Yeah. Then, then I totally forgot he dies in part two. I was like, but, holy shit, he really got fucking got in part two really good. But yeah, like, Kieran Culkin's character, he thought he was going to be the Randy. Yes. Because there's so many people who survived. He thought he was being the Randy. But it's like, and then but she's like, and Sydney was like, no, you're the stew. And like the, you know, you're Yeah, dying. that's right. That's right. Yeah, that was great, man. Yeah, and he's like, oh, man. And like, it's, you know, because he even, he even does the, it's not what we rehearse. Yeah, and Stu did the same thing. He's like, you, it's like, yeah. I can't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> or no, it's a, it's a God damn it, he... Billy. I think you got me. Like, it's like, yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> damn it, Billy. I think you went too deep, Billy. Yeah, he's I think like, I'm yeah, fucking dying here, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm bleeding, man. I'm bleeding. Like, um, it was that kind of energy. Yeah, you know? it, it was good. Like, it was really good. It's, uh, I agree with you in terms of one and four. It's really tough to pick. Um, I like one just because it's the first one, but four really kind of, it just updates it really well. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like a, it's a victory lap. Yeah, I agree. But it's also like, I, it's tough because it's also riding on the fact that one is so good. So it's like, if you didn't like part one as much as I do, you'd be like, oh, part one was better. But because you like part one so much, you like part four so much. Yeah, part one is awesome. Like, yeah. let's talk about part one. Like, that last, again, the last sequences of these movies are just fucking great. Yeah, so, there's such good climaxes every in time. part one, we see that great interaction um, between Stu, Billy, and Sydney, right? Yes. Um, where Stu is kind of, uh, you know, getting stabbed and Billy's trying to give his motive and all that stuff. Like I was telling you before, there's a, a point there where Billy is explaining his motive, right? And you can see in the acting of these guys that especially of Stu, that he had no clue why he was doing this with Billy. It was cool because it that ties into the fact that he was like, yo, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me, right? Because he was just doing yeah. it for shits and giggles. And you yeah. see his face like, oh, man, like Billy's doing this because it fucked up his life. It's like it's a point of just kind of respecting the craft of acting. Like, you know, he's doing it very well at that point in that in, in that sequence. And you see his face just drop and the fact that, oh, shit, this guy actually has a motive. I was just kind of tagging along here and you see also sydney like nev campbell's character um uh, uh doing a, a very good job of emoting at that point just realizing oh shit my mom fucked up 
your family, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that was a very strong, like, moment in that point. And then it just kind of kept escalating from there when Billy and Stu started just going at each other, right? And then it was cool to see how Stu was just getting angry at Billy. Like, hey, man, I like, just you got to just slow the fuck down kind of shit. And, and Stu was just getting super pissed. but still kind of going along with this. And you see that Stu was just a puppet in all of this. Like, Billy just needed somebody to, to kind of just help him with everything. Um, yeah. And it sucks because I hate Skeet Ulrich. Like, I hate his face. Right, but he's really good in that last sequence. Like when he goes full on heel and he goes full on baddie, like he's really good at it. And I, I have to give him props for that because the entire movie, it's just he's very stereotypical. You know, he's very the stereotypical kind of boyfriend kind of shit. Like he's very annoying. Yeah. Um, and he looks guilty the whole time. And that scene in the in the fucking uh, in the video stores just kind of skeeved me out. But like at the end, he when he when you finally realize his potential as a villain. And when he finally realizes that, okay, now I can just be the villain now, he kind of shines, bro. Like he he understands that now I can go full crazy and not have to mask myself with this kind of, you know, oh, I'm still innocent shit. And he goes all out. And I think it really helps the scene. And it really helps uh, Matthew Lillard's performance too. They really yes. worked well with each other back and forth. And if you didn't have that kind of uh, chemistry and that kind of uh, talent at that moment... Like, these guys kind of, uh, Craven was able to get the most out of these two actors, which honestly, they don't, they don't do anything else after this of no, besides being shaggy, right? Uh, Skeet Ulrich fucking falls off the face of the planet. He does I mean. what, like, what, what like, <laughs> like, he does the Newton boys, right? Like, who cares yeah. about the Newton boys? Like, he falls off the face of the planet, right? But Skeet Ulrich, um... <laughs> He's he's done. Matthew literally becomes Shaggy. Well, no, right? Skeet Ulrich is in Riverdale now. I think. Who cares? I, Who? I, well, cares? no, I was just saying he was in the thing. I'm I'm trying to. No, level, no, level. I think that matters, Ty. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Sh- Shaggy matters again. I'm surprised they didn't bring back Matthew Litter for Shaggy in the new. That's Scooby stupid because they use him as the voice. I don't he's, get he's it. Currently, the voice of the animated one. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. They bring in a who is it? Um, Will Forte does it? I think. Yeah, it's so weird. It's for, it, for what? Yeah, Ooh. why? Like you have a perfectly good, like you have a Shaggy for life here, dude. Like I don't understand why you would do anything. Yeah, else. isn't it crazy that they hired him to be the animated one because he was so good as the live you, action one? You know why though? You know why? Because they knew this movie was gonna suck, so they didn't want his name on it. <laughs> so it, it's it's better for losers, dude. Trust me. You've seen Scoob. It's better for Lillard to not even have his name attached to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's cool for him to say, yeah, cool, good job, guys. But they know, you know, this story sucks. Okay? We all know Scoob wasn't the best. We spoke about Scoob before. You know what? And, you know, and because the Rona, it didn't it didn't get released to theaters anyway. So it's it's not going to make as much money as he would have. You know, so that's what, like, he's probably sad and he missed out on the check. But, you know, I, I'd be too. I'd be like, damn it, I should have got that money. I would have been sad if there was also, put, like, a lot of, like, a PR involved and publicity. But because of the Rona, you know, it, it wasn't like he was getting paid for his interviews and all that stuff. Yeah, so it's not much money. Saying. So I, I think it's a win, you know? Yeah, that's what I mean. I think it, he lucked out. Yeah, I big think. time. 
I think he lucked out on that. But um, but, but yeah, yeah. So back to back to screen. <laughs> there's only, <laughs> but no. But that's how good Matthew Lillard is, and that's how good of an energy is in part one. But there's also that same energy in part four. But then you get that final moment that ends the franchise. Because it's like you have that climax, but then it goes that extra bit, and he even they even call attention to it. You know, where Emma, Emma like Emma Roberts's character, she was like, "Oh, she's like this part's a little clunky." You know, or yeah. what she say? She's like, "Oh, this is after the after the action or something like that." She says something, but um, yeah, because co- because like it was supposed to end in the house, right? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. She, she she's like, "Oh, Sydney, like this was supposed to end in the house, like because like like it's gonna look sloppy or something." Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. She mentioned like it's gonna not look as nice as having the ending at the house. Now you're gonna die here in the hospital, and you know what's even <laughs> you know what's even wilder. Like the very end end point where they show like all, like all the reporters actually saying, "Oh, this girl survived and she's the hero." Yeah. So at the end of the day, she got what she wanted. She, right. she got the attention she wanted because that's all she wanted. That's why it was so cool. It was such a well written character because uh, like you don't you don't know her real persona until you see her kind of fucking flip that switch and you're like, "Yo, she's fucking crazy." This yeah, girl is it, fucking crazy. Just- it's a Skeet Ulrich thing where you don't get the motive until the reveal. But then and again, like that's it's better casted in part four because yes. in part four you have a bunch of people who you think are going to be guilty. Like I, like if I didn't know any better, I would have thought that Hayden Panettiere was part of it. You know what I mean? Or like that kid with the camera, all, um, the fucking webcam attached to him all the time. I yes. definitely thought he was fucking part of it. Definitely, hundred percent thought he was fucking part of the whole fucking two man crew. You know what I mean? Because right. there's always two. It's like a Sith and an apprentice. There's always fucking two. There are. Yes. So, um, so I, I thought that kid and Culkin were part of it. I, I was like, oh yeah, I seen this movie. These kids are guilty. And I was like, oh shit. And when, and when that review with Emma Roberts came up, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what just happened here? And it threw me for a big loop. And it's cool how it continued in the hospital. It's funny because, like, like for a second, I thought when Dewey first saw her, I thought Dewey already knew the story. And he was kind of playing into it. Yeah, you know I, mean? I, I I thought so, too. But I did like the fact that he had to go, at, like, they he, had to go speak to Gail about it, you know? Yeah, because like, he, he, he was know. like the fact that, But that's also the thing, too. It's their characters are smart. So Dewey was written in a way where he was automatically suspicious of it enough to be like, he, you know, he didn't catch on right away, but he also felt weird enough about it to talk to Gail. Yeah, you know, exactly. And to mention it to Gail. You know, yeah. see, that was the first thing he mentioned to her. Yeah, because then, of the shoulder shot, right? Yeah. And like, see, but that's the thing. The characters are smarter. They both realized it right away because they've already been through it like four times. Yeah, I fucking and that's love what, Dewey. Love me some and, fucking Dewey, bro. And that's what I mean. And I think... Like, at the end of the day, like, when it boils down to it, I think part four is my favorite. I think so, too. I have to agree with you on that, man. Yeah, like, but it's, like I said, it's because, like, I love part one, but part four, like, it's basically the stepping stone to part four. Like, I, like, I, it's, like, I liken it to Creed, because, like I said, Creed is Rocky seven, but it's also its own thing. And it's also, it ends, so it, it you know, it, it, that's what part four does. Like, Scream 4 ends, it's but it's true. also, it's also its own movie. It's true, it, too, because, like, honestly, like, 
you can go from Scream 1 to Scream 4. You can just be like, yes. you know, like uh, 10 years later or some shit like that, right? Like, yes. So, like, you don't really need Part 2 and 3, but, but Part 2 and 3 just kind of fluff up the Sydney character again, right? Yes. So, yes. we go back to that Sydney character shit. Like, you need Part 2 and 3 to kind of build up this mystique, this aura, this this kind of, yo, Sydney's been through fucking everything. And then this is yeah. why in Part 4, she's ready just like Laurie Strode is ready in the 2018 version of Halloween. Yeah, right? that's why in part four she's so like super strong. You know, she like kicks like kicks and then when you realize they're the kids and then that I'm like, oh okay, that's why she's so strong against the killer this time. Yeah. She's <laughs> kicking teens around. <laughs> she's kicking some kids around. <laughs> she's a grown ass woman kicking kids. You yeah. know? But like but that's the thing. And then she's so much smarter about what she does. Like um like she'll go to the she went to the roof and then like, oh, she's looking through all the windows. But when that doesn't happen, she ends up rolling down the roof, but then like hanging down and yep. then falling. Yep. That's what I mean. And you're right. Like that's the Laurie Strode stuff and we got in 2018's Halloween. But yep. we just got it in Scream 4 years earlier. So I'm I'm glad you feel the same way. Cause like ultimately I think part four is my favorite because like after watching four of these, it's a satisfying conclusion. It really is. And it's just good as a movie. It really like, it's is. Just, it's got its it's got its own story with the Emma Roberts stuff. But yeah, then that yeah, the characters are really smart too. You know, yeah. And then you get the hospital scene, which is the finale. Yeah, you know? I enjoyed that hospital scene. Yeah. Um, but- another thing I really think Scream really did um, was just you know have the killers like die really well. You know. Yes. Like that too. Every person who was like guilty of being. You know, Ghostface kind of just knew how to die well. Like, they, they knew how to just portray that death really well. Like, Skeet Ulrich did a good job when he got shot and, and when he got stabbed. He was just a bloody mess and he was he just died well, you know. Even fucking uh, um, um, Oliphant died really well. And yes. fucking um, and Culkin, he died fucking great. Oh you yeah, know? where he was like his hands were twitching. Yeah, he was dude. on the ground. Yeah, yeah, he did a great fucking job with that man. And even in part fucking three with Roman, you know, yes, th- th- that little kind of you know emo ending there, you know, <laughs> uh, I was like, I was like, no, you ain't getting none from me, bro. You know, <laughs> you know, you <laughs> not in part three, not in part three. All right, you're not getting shit from me, dude. They just died really well. I was very impressed on how they died. You know, because it. it you could just kind of have a death scene, but they emoted well. They kind of had um, several little kind of quirks when they died, like a little tremble here or there, or a little kind of gasp or sound. It was really well done by those actors, and you have to give props to them. They kind of, luckily, we had a lot of young actors who knew what horror movies were. Yes. They knew that, listen, like, this could be the jump off point for a, a lot of our careers. Like, they understood that. It was cheesy shit back in the you know in the seventies and eighties um, and in the early nineties stuff. It was cheesy stuff. Let's let's do better. Let's do justice. You know. So they understood their roles, which is great. I'm, like honestly, like everyone involved did like a good job. You know, they did their jobs really well. Um, they they portrayed their characters really well. Even for instance, in part two, you know, the, the sorority sisters and shit. Like they were like. Yes. Uh, a Portia de Rossi and I forgot what her name is. Um, they portrayed them really well. Like it was just characters uh, that were well developed and well, just well written and well casted. Because not, it's not like they had a lot of screen time to develop the characters, but they knew what. Like it, it was just a very full character already written for this 
actor. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, it was like it's full characters written for like very small scenes. Yeah, you know, you, you get like two minutes, maybe five minutes with them, but at the same time, they feel like full characters. Like it's yes. like they have identities and all that stuff. Like yeah. you know who they are. Already. It's like oh, this guy was a dickhead anyway. You know what I mean? Oh, she yeah, was a bitch. Yeah. Over, but whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad she was killed. She, she sucked regardless. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you knew <laughs> where everybody stood, and it kind of you were kind of rooting for the proper people to get killed or not get killed you know like they did a good job of writing the supporting cast around sydney because again it's a sydney story right yeah uh, and like, so right down to the bone yeah that's why i guess when they're doing scream five like it's not a reboot if they went and reached out to nev campbell you know that means they're bringing sydney back for one more thing so like you, su- still, you know what it's possible because sydney's still alive but you suggested uh you suggested a thing where i thought like it'd be awesome yeah so uh if if she dies in that first scene dude like if she's could, that first death like if yeah, she's the one you, to pop off the movie that would yeah. be dope. It's like, oh my god, they finally got her. I think as a fan, that would I be think, like a great yeah. homage to the whole the first Scream franchise, you know? Yeah, because the first scene's always the most important one. You, you go back full circle, bro. It's true. And it's also like in Scream, the first the intro's always like someone like a big name actress. You know, in part one it was Drew Barrymore, part two is Jada Pinkett. You know, and uh, part three was uh, Geller, right? It was Sarah yeah. Michelle Geller in part three. No, no. In, in part three, it, it was great. In part three, it was that uh, the stab beginnings, right? Yeah. It was like stab six um, and then stab seven. I enjoyed that. Uh, like at the beginning of part three, you didn't know when the intro was. It was actually, you were watching the intro to stab six and then the intro to stab seven. And then you were finally watching the intro, which was where I think, uh, oh, no. Who got that was, was it the twins or something? These two girls or something? I forget. No, that, it was. no, yeah, that was part four. Part three was uh, when um, the Leave Schreiber character dies. Oh, the Cotton Weary character. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I was forgetting something major. Cotton Weary, fucking look at that shit. Like <laughs> this fucking character who appears for like a minute or two in a screen on a TV, like getting put into a cop car from part one, has this fucking like total character <laughs> development in part two right yeah where he's like yo like i've been through some shit let me at least try and get my 15 minutes of fame and get some money out of this shit right and then becomes the fucking hero of the story where he actually fucking saves sydney when loomis's mom is trying to kill her and then in part three he has his own fucking show in la and then he gets got in the beginning which is yes. great because his girlfriend thinks He's the bad guy because the bad guy now has like uh, you know um, a fucking like a talk boy express or some shit. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> the the voice the voice changer now can copy anybody's voice. That's why I was yeah. like, okay, it jumps the shark a little bit. That's yeah, I'd be like, like, hey like, kids, we're home early. Yeah, we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're like part three. I will acknowledge that it's a little bit rougher than the other ones. That's why I'm like, that's why it's at the bottom of the list. No, a, it, no, absolutely. Also, like. The talent involved isn't um, isn't as good, honestly. I'm surprised yeah. you get the fucking what's his fucking name, Bishop, um, from, from the Alien series. The fucking oh, uh, 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 the John Milton character. Shit, I don't remember. I forgot what his name was, but but he's a big like you know like genre actor who they snuck in there, and we also get um, the the Carrie Fisher one, right? So yeah. part three was kind of just, I don't know, it was uh, more, I guess, 
thrown together because I guess studio wanted part three. Yeah, it seems, it seems a bit more rushed. That's than what the I'm others. saying. Like, like part three. That's why it's at the bottom. Like, I admit, I still like it. Part two, also, still... yeah. Part two, part two, and part three. I think, I think part two is better than part three, especially that, the ending. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, it's better. Yeah, one hundred percent, right? Yeah, um, and then like the the ranking would be like part four, and four, then part one, three. two, and three at the end, right? Yeah, and then yeah, it'd be part. It would be part three, part two, part one, and then part four. I think yeah. that's where we both sit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I enjoyed part four, man. Yeah, it's it's worth it. it. It's it's honestly worth like watching these four movies and then ending with that one because that's the thing. Like that's with Scream Five. I'm like, what do you? What is what is part five? It's interesting because yeah, it's not Wes Craven and Williamson anymore. It can't be. I uh, can't unfor- be right. I know. Unfortunately, but like that's the thing. Like it's if you want to continue the franchise, like it, I think killing Sydney in the first scene would be it would break my heart personally. But at the same time, like I would get it, and I would also be like, God damn, they got me. You know? Yeah, because like, now, <laughs> now all bets are off. If you kill Sydney, then, then what? Then it becomes a Dewey Gale story, right? Yeah, then I'm so scared for Dewey and Gale the whole time. We would all be. We'd be like, oh my god. It'd like, be great if it was like a very like David Arquette-centric story, though. Honestly, if if Dewey were at the center, we lost Sydney. Dude, it'd yeah. be like Copland and Jace, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it would be his Copland. It'd be Dewey with like, you know, like a belly and shit and a shotgun <laughs> all fucked up and leaning and traumatized because of all this fucking murder happening. Yeah, because part four had a, had a huge ass like Dewey and Gale story. Yeah, big like, time. It, it, gave, it gave them their longest story in the series yet, you know? Like, uh, it was basically their movie. Yeah. I think the Sydney stuff was like the B story. Yeah. I, I would, yeah. But even then, like, you're right, man. And then, but bringing Sydney and killing her off in the opening, I, I think that would be the way to do it because, like, how else do you do it? Because part four already addressed the new technology already. It already called people, like, streaming everything all the time. I mean, unless, like, Sydney's a mom now. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's the only Ooh. thing I can think of, like, them keeping her around for a while. Would it be her, like, being a mom now, you know? And, like, you know, leave my kids out of it kind of shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then again, who's the, like, who's going to be the bad guy now? Like, another copycat? Like, they did it in four already, you know? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I mean, Arturo. Like, yeah. what, what do they do? This is what I've been thinking. Like, even with the new team, even with the Ready or Not directors... Like I'm, I'm gonna see it. Of course, like we'd be dumb not to. But like, what, what can they do? I'm very curious, but at the same time, I, I'm not like protective of anything. Like I, I love Scream, but I'm not gonna be like, oh, don't do it, don't do the sequel, blah blah blah. No, of course I'm down. I'm down, especially yeah. after like watching all those four movies. I'm like, yo, I'm down. Like, yeah. Listen, I've seen a lot worse franchises. I've seen a lot worse movies. Exactly. Um, through and through, the Scream movies were entertaining. Um, I, 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 I didn't give them a proper chance before. I did now. I'm glad I did. Wes Craven did a great job with all four movies. Uh, Williamson yep. did a great job writing those four movies. Through and through, I think uh, uh, Nev Campbell did a great job. It's cool that she got you know this Scream thing to, you know, to, to hang on to. It's dope. Like because nobody thought that fucking Nev Campbell or Sidney Prescott were gonna be like a thing. We're gonna be like a Laurie Strode, you know. But yeah. it's funny. It's funny how, how you mentioned it, like um in part one she's talking around randy right and she's looking at, at all the movies in the party she's like hey wh- why is jamie lee curtis in all these movies 
And he's like, oh, you know, she's a scream queen, right? It seems like you fucking Dev Campbell is now, you know, the scream mm-hmm. queen, the legit scream queen. But I'm. <laughs> But um, <laughs> with that, um, go watch Screen People. <laughs> that was going right. No, it wasn't bad. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, it's before. Yeah, she wrapped it up. I had um, that was good. That's, you're still laughing, bro. Oh man. Um, uh. I had a chance to watch uh, Ready or Not again. Well, yeah. Speaking of the Ready or Not yeah, guys, exactly. yeah, exactly. It was a good segue, right? Um, fucking dude, that movie's awesome. Yeah, it's um, good, man. It's a matter of weaving. She's the best. You know, if she's in Scream 5, you gotta do it. I hope they do it. Dude, she's the new, uh, it girl, man. That's you what gotta I mean. get her in there, bro. Samara Weaving better show up in a bunch of movies. Like it, like we said, uh, who was the other one? Anya Taylor Joy was the recent one. Yeah. Before, before that, it was Emma Roberts. I'm telling you, man, horror and the horror genre puts you on the map, baby. <laughs> you know? But yeah, but with that, thanks oh, for joining dude, us. What's up? Dude, speaking of putting on the map, Henry Cavill as a Superman. Oh, dude. fuck, dude. <laughs> oh my god people how could i end this show without talking about this yeah well yeah let's 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 slot in a little bit of time it's okay just, it's just, just a little it, bit. this is very okay um yeah. <laughs> the news just broke out you know a couple days ago that uh, henry cavill was in talks it's all in talks so until it's official i'm gonna be you know still kind of not believing it but he's in talks right. Um, to play Superman again, yeah. which to me is absolutely one of the best things I've heard in a long time. I'm a big fan of Cavill as Superman. I think uh, we were robbed of uh, you know of some good stuff there because of all the whole the way the DC universe broke down. So, but uh, what else do you know about this? So what they're saying is it's not like. Uh it's not in the Snyder cut, so he's not gonna. They're they're not gonna bring him back to film more scenes. Apparently for that. So they say. So, so yeah, yeah, of course. Because the dude's uh, but, jacked. He's ready for Superman any day, baby. Dude, word, right? He's but been fucking the, the, ready. The big thing is, uh, reportedly, it's for a cameo in either Suicide Squad two, uh, Aquaman two, or the Batman. So like, if they decide to put him in the Batman, like, Listen, oof, whoa, if okay. that. Listen, it's it's not just going to be a fucking cameo, all right? Yeah. If you put him in any of those fucking movies, all right, it's not going to be a cameo. It's not going to be Suicide Squad. I think, I don't think they would waste that cameo in, in a Suicide Squad. You know, right. um, I agree. unless it's a James Gunn one. And a, well, you know. yeah, the, well, that's, that's right? what I mean. James Gunn is doing Suicide Squad. So is that done already? Any... He's still currently doing it. The production stopped. Obviously, obviously everything stopped. But yeah, I think, like in the process of doing I think that. It was, yeah, I think it was mid-production when the when the thing stopped. Yeah. So but I think if Cavill does any kind of cameo, why would you just come back? for? Yeah. You know, why all that for a fucking so like, who knows how long a cameo is? Yeah, yeah, and so that's the other thing. So they were the other the other report was saying uh, untied to that was the fact that like they were probably going to use him like the Hulk. So it's like you know like Thor Ragnarok and Jace mm. where we we get him in a movie like we'd get him in these movies like if he shows him in Aquaman two. So what if like Aquaman two is basically Ragnarok? You know that with Aquaman kind of makes sense because of the kind of person super. Superman is and the kind of powers he has. Yeah. He's that accessory, like, you know, like he's the last, you know, like, like he's the last line of resort, you know what I mean? Uh, so 
you call Superman it if she's getting fucked up. You know, so I get it, but I think Cavill, you know, it can't just be a fucking cameo, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like, so that's can't. the thing. Like, so they would probably do that until they figure out what they want to do for Superman too. You know, it's like, do they want to do Man of Steel too? They want to get Christopher I, Nolan back and Legendary Films back and fucking <laughs> do a, like a, a Nolan esque fucking Cavill Superman. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, do you do Man of Steel too, or do you do like? Superman, but it's like, okay, we get it. It's Man of Steel adjacent. Like, it's like, okay, it's like picking up the, the you know what I mean? Like, it would just Dude, pick he, up it what they... It deserves it. So, like, the man, the actor, the character he, deserves it. He really it. deserves a, a good Superman movie. Like, like a good it, Superman role. Dude, even. yeah, it's yeah. not fair that he got thrust into this Batman versus Superman shit and then this Justice League shit. Like, there was yeah. no real like moment for him to kind of breathe and let his character develop like like all we get is what we got in man of steel and a lot of people um like it got the wrong vibe out of that you know what i mean so yeah. like why not yeah. kind of redeem the character first get him back on everyone's you know good graces because he is fucking superman he is the fucking pillar of your goddamn universe yeah. you know what i mean like why wouldn't you want to first Make sure the foundation is there before you bring in fucking Batman, which has you know, tons of issues. And honestly, they could they could do it. Like DC, I think they already kind of did it with Joker. They they've shown that like they can do multiple movies. Like uh, they could do a single storyline universe, but they can also do these like one offs. Like do like animated movies. They already do. You know where it's yeah, like those, they have yeah those are fucking they have, awesome. They have one continuity. You know, they have one established universe, but they also have one-offs where it's like, oh, this one's Red Sun. Until the end of Justice League Dark where everything now is like, what the fuck is going to (laughs) happen? Oh, yeah. But, like, that's what I mean. So, in this one, they can still do the DCEU stuff. So, we can even have, like, Ben Affleck come back. You know, and you can still do the Robert Pattinson Batman movies. There was a rumor that I read that uh, they wanted Affleck to come back and finish, uh, you know, like, and do his script. And all this shit, because, like, apparently his script was, uh, like, Batman versus, like, a Deathstroke or some shit. Um, so they wanted him to kind of finish that and all that. So, like, I guess everyone's excited about this shit. And that's you know what? I mean. Like, hey, like, man, what? the fans are the fucking winners here, man. <laughs> that's what I mean. You can I, – I think people would be fine, like, just watching these movies and, like, some of them connect and some of them don't. You know, you can still do the Batman trilogy that you want to do with Pattinson – I'm down for that too. Fuck it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Give us that version of the Batman, but then we could watch Ben Affleck and like these Justice League like connected movies. Dude, like Like, it's you can you can do both, and I think like that's where it could win over the Marvel stuff. Because Marvel stuff, you know what you're getting. Like it's like, oh Not anymore, you don't. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's all the same universe. You know, it's all the same timeline. It's all the you know, it's like one leads into the other one leads into you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, no. I I I totally get it, but now with Marvel Marvel's up in the air now, like Oh yeah. You know we don't know what we're getting, but at the same time but at the same time you do know what tone you do know like how long the movie's gonna be. Listen, like if Taika is you know, is the one in my opinion, that uh, they should get to kind of helm their little phase, you know? Maybe Taika and the Russo bros get, no, he's, a, a, he's moving get on. together. He is moving on to Star Wars, right? So, yeah, Taika's moving on to Star Wars. I'd rather so. have him in Star Wars. Um, uh, so I just think DC has the opportunity now to just yeah. 
they're more exciting. All out, bro. You know, they're they're more exciting right now than anything the Mar- like Marvel side. Yeah, doing, exactly. So. Especially if you have these actors who you know, honestly, they portrayed those roles very well. You know, yeah. if um if they want to come back, I think you make it work. You find a way to make it work. Well, yeah, that's you know? why you, it, the only ones who fell out of this were Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill. And if Henry Cavill comes back, I'm pretty sure Ben Affleck would agree. You know, or if not, find a new Batman. Like, why not? Like, yeah, just, fuck it. Well, we could still have Pattinson and do his own thing, do a grounded, gritty, like Nolan thing that everybody would want. You know, like they they basically want Dark Knight too. Nah, man. No, I don't. No, I don't. Listen, you can't. You can't. You can't. Like Dark Knight, Dark Knight. You can't have. You cannot have that because you know why? Because of Heath Ledger. You can't. It's not yeah, possible. No. Heath Dark Ledger Knight made is... that movie. That's it. Like the Joker made that movie. You can't really. Yeah, I, that. I'll put it on record too that Dark Knight is a masterpiece. It is blah, absolutely. Blah, blah. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Like it, it really is. Like I just pay the respect for. Oh, dude, it. that's when he fucking uh, gets on the bat pod when the fucking car breaks down. He gets, when Chester Pennington was there, right? Bennington, what his fucking name is from Lincoln Park, right? The yeah. guy who passed away. Like, like he's he was one of the guys who they fucking focus in the movie when the bat pod comes out of the car. You remember yeah. that shit? I'm yeah. like, what the fuck is this? douchebag doing over here <laughs> go back to lincoln park bro that's what i appreciate it more now obviously but yeah. um yeah dude dark night you can't touch that shit even with but a yeah you can still do like your grounded movies and just do like you know do the if this night like like we said with the last week that Hopefully, buddies will hear before they hear this one. It's, you know, if the Snyder Cut turns out to be the greatest movie in the world. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think so, but. No, um, but if, best case scenario, dude, if it turns out to be the greatest movie in the world, why not keep that going? Because Aquaman's already a thing. Wonder Woman 2 is already happening, you know? Wonder Woman 2 is fucking done already. It should have yeah. been coming out like in two months in July, right? It's coming out in uh, August, supposedly. Quote yeah, unquote. Yeah, right. Birthday. Yeah, right. August. And then did you hear about this um Nolan wants the tenant to come out still in theaters? I'm like Yeah. Yeah, yeah you mean in, in the theater of my house, right? <laughs> because fucking no one the theaters aren't gonna open, dude. They put the they put that first trailer on Fortnite. On that note. Yeah, on that weird note. <laughs> thanks for joining us, guys. We highly appreciate it. Again, uh Go watch some Scream. It's uh, it's highly worth your time. Um, kind of any one of them, you can you can just kind of put on one, two, three, or four. But you know, start with one and go from there. And thank you once again uh, to Glenn Morowski for the music. We highly appreciate it. And check out the link to Glenn's uh, uh, SoundCloud uh, with all the information on the cast. Uh, don't forget to check us out on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram. There is a lot of content that I'd like to put out on just solely Instagram, but, you know, guys got to kind of follow. Just click that fucking button. Um, but uh, so aggressive. This is the morgue, right? We're always coming in hot, baby. I don't know shit. You're ready, man. You're ready. But, um, but yeah, again, we highly appreciate you guys listening. We know you're listening, which is great. We thank you so much. Uh, we know we, you guys have other options out there, uh, but you guys make some time for us, and we both thank you for that. Of course, we thank you for that. And again, it's a scary world out there, but we're here to walk you through it. Mm-hmm.